Good morning, church. We begin a new series today called We Are Family. Uh, Jeff, do you have any, like... I know we could probably all sing it. It's dating ourselves, but uh, Sister Sledge, We Are Family. Uh, and uh, yeah, just really exciting. We're going to be looking at um, a couple of things. Um, today, we have the most exciting of all of the talks in it, and we're talking about church membership. Yes. All right. And uh, so we're also going to be looking at different things with uh, uh, Next Generation Ministries, and we're going to be looking about uh, leaving a legacy and just talking about some really wonderful things about being part of the family of God together. We are family. Why church membership? Well, I just need to say that, first of all, um, um, this is uh, actually, I, I really like this, thinking about this message, because whenever you get to teach that calls people to commit, it's good for them. And I love doing that. And um, I, I'm really excited for that. I also want to put this caveat out. As we're going to talk about some of the things about membership today, I am very, very cognizant of the fact that if you look closely at our church, we've got lots of warts and flaws. And so while we're talking about some of these things, I am not naive to the fact that we don't have it like cased but they are aspirations for which we all are moving towards. Can we agree on that? And um, so um, <clears throat> here's what I'm going to do. Um, I want to talk, first of all, I'm going to need to lay a foundation about the nature of the church. We're going to look at um, some things about um, how the church is used in the scripture. And we're going to look at membership in particular. Um, I'm going to have to undress an idea that's popular in our culture. So uh, I'm just going to warn you now, just be trying to be as gentle as I can, but I've got to address it. And then uh, here's what I want to do. I want to share what are some of the benefits of being a member uh, of the local church. Uh, we can talk about some of the responsibilities. And then, yeah, we're going to celebrate together. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to bring application to this. So that's sort of where we're going. You ready? Aren't you excited you came today? <laughs> and I know some of you are thinking, oh, man, like I, you know, of all the weeks, you know, I'm going to get some corporate talk. I just want to help you relax. It's not going to be that way. Word. You'll have lots to think about and apply in your life today. Okay, ready? I need to say that in the New Testament, the idea of a self-sufficient, isolated Christian was inconceivable. Inconceivable. Reminds me of a movie. <laughs> inconceivable. Never, never is the New Testament teaching about it's Jesus and me, and that's it. I know some people love to do this because they love to do it when we talk about baptism. They like to say, well, what about the thief on the cross? 
Friends, if you're going to build a theology and a whole belief system on an exception at the neglect of the explicit teaching of the scriptures, that gets dangerous, actually. The individualistic focus of our faith today is out of step with the New Testament. It's never been about just Jesus and me. The multiple images and the direct explicit teaching of the scripture from cover to cover shows that becoming a God-fearing, Christ-following disciple is being joined into community with people. And that's good news and bad news because none of us perfectly resemble Jesus. But I want you to understand the church today. In the scripture, when you read your Bibles, you come across a, a word name called church. In the original language of the scripture, in the Greek, it's called ekklesia, or ecclesia, depending on how you want to pronounce that. It meant a gathering of people. Originally, it was not necessarily a religious word. It just meant a gathering. And when people dispersed, the ecclesia was done. But the New Testament grabbed onto that, and over time, what happened is that the ecclesia was applied to the gathering of Jesus followers and was translated into the word church. The ecclesia was a wonderful word, and it, uh, we'll talk about it more in a second, but it was used of the local visible church most often, a specific time in a certain geographic region or city. It is used of the universal, invisible church of all times and all places. Did you know that? That the church, that is every single person who has put their faith in God and trusted in Jesus Christ since he was alive on this earth, and those Old Testament saints who, through the promises, believed what God had for them, all of them, of all time, are a part of the ecclesia of God. It's, they're invisible to us. We get little snapshots. If you read Revelation chapter 4 and 5, you see what's going on in the throne room of heaven right now. Myriads and myriads of angels, and you get representation by these wonderful symbols of all those believers of the Older Testament from the uh, 12 tribes and all from the 12 apostles and you have this wonderful imagery of the saints and the martyrs and all of those who were gone before. But it's the church invisible. We don't see them right now. Unless you have certain vision that I wish I had. So there's this differentiation between the church, broadly speaking, capital C church, every believer of all time, every place. When you trust Christ, you are born into, born of one spirit into the church, the body of Christ. But also, it speaks of the church in a very specific, visible way. We have a church here called Summit right now, and you're gathered, you're visible, tangible, here in Richmond Hill. 
So if we understand the church, 119 times ecclesia is used in the New Testament. Did you know 90, and depending on your translation, some say up to 95 times, it's actually referring to the local visible church. Now, this is very, very important for you to understand because there is the, and I tried to make it a little invisible. It looked good on the iPad, not so much on the screen. And then the visible, tangible church. And most often, by far, in the New Testament, it's talking about the local, visible, tangible church in a particular city, in a particular time. Get that? Okay. Don't want to belabor it. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God that's in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Here you see that when he calls the church, it's a church in Corinth, and he differentiates the church in Corinth with all other believers of other places. Next verse, in Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is writing and he's saying, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. These are particular churches that were non-Jewish, churches that were planted in the Gentile world, and they give thanks as well for them. 1 Corinthians 16, the churches of Asia send you greetings. That is the specific local churches that are established, they're visible, they're there in, the, in Asia, and they send greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, whoa, send you greetings, hearty greetings. Notice they're not, you notice what he doesn't say in these things? That a part of the church a part of the body of Christ sends you greetings. He says, the church, visible, tangible, in Corinth, in Galatia, in Asia, in Prisca's house, the church tangible sends you greeting. Revelation 2 and 3, we studied the book of Revelation and went through it expositionally for about eight months. If you weren't part of the church, I encourage you to do that. But in chapters 2 and 3, we read that the angel, uh, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. I've been in Ephesus. It's been neat and wonderful to walk around. In fact, I got to all go to all of these cities when I was in Turkey. It was fascinating. But there was a local gathered church in Ephesus said the same thing in throughout chapters 2 and 3 to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. To the church in these cities, he's not speaking of the overall general body of Christ of all time, tangible local churches. Now, why am I belaboring this? I'll tell you why. It's important in addressing the reason given by some Christians to justify their avoidance of church membership. Saying, I'm already a member of the body of Christ. Church membership is an unbiblical man-made invention. It's some corporate deal to control people. 
or all it does is lead to bureaucracy and church conflicts, and I'm not interested. You ever heard that? Something like that? You ever heard someone say, I don't need to become a member because I'm a member of the body of Christ? Of course you have. In fact, I used to say that. I've been there. Now, I'm going to show you today that actually why it's important and the assumption people make when they make that statement is in, it's just, I'm sorry, it's just incongruent, it's wrong. And I'm going to show you. Just because we don't read the term local church membership does not mean that it is not implied and taught, though it may not use that exact phrase. There are things you believe very, very strongly that the Bible never, ever talks about and uses. How many of you in this room believe in the Trinity? God is three persons in one essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It never once uses the word Trinity in the Bible. Never once. But it is taught and implied it is the main doctrine of the Christian church. So just because you don't see local church membership, don't give me that, and you need to set that aside just because it doesn't say it. It is taught, it is implied, and I'm going to show you some more. You should never, don't say that, you just don't use that logic. That's why if you're going to play that game, then you also should never play for some, pray for someone who has cancer or COVID because it's never mentioned in the Bible. Come on now. Matthew 15, or 18. I'm going to show you through a couple of passages. This one is talking about how a gathering, a local gathering, a body, you know, the body of Christ is to handle some, a brother or a sister who is in intentionally unrepentant and not, you know, living in, in, in intentional sin. So if a brother sins, go to him and show him his fault. Now, there's, that flies in the face of Canadian culture, doesn't it? If he responds, you've saved him from trouble. If he refuses to listen, then take two or three witnesses to the offense. Don't just go on hearsay. If, if they're real and it's been witnessed, then you take two or three and you go and talk to them. And you're appealing. You're not coming in to beat them up. You're appealing to them. This is going to save you from trouble. Now, other passages talk to us how to do that. Galatians 6, to, with gentleness and respect. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to who? Hello? Church. Thank you. Tell it to the church. Let me ask you a question. What church? The universal church? Am I supposed to go to every single church in York region and the GTA and tell them about you? Or you tell them about me? Am I supposed to call our friends in Niger and in Egypt and the Philippines? Hey, watch out for Jason. 
Is that, is, what church? Think about it. The local church you're a part of. Make sense? Here's another one. He's uh, calling the church to, you know, respect. He's in the church context of the church. He's talking in Hebrews 13. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage of you. Now, first of all, if you're a church leader in the room, let me ask you, who are you to be keeping watch over? Every Christian in every church? The universal church? No. In Acts 20, 28 and 1 Peter 5, he's talking to church leaders and says, shepherd the flock under your care. Care for the church. Every flock? No, the ones under your care. A particular group. In the one in passage in Acts 20, it was actually the elders that were gathered around, you know, from the, the church in Ephesus. And which ones, let me ask you this, if you believe in the church, is talking about the church universal, and you don't have to be a part of the church local, do you submit to every church leader? That's, it's ludicrous to think. No, you, you submit and respect the, the leaders of your local church, you see. Just because it says church, don't read into it that the Bible isn't speaking. It, it just means the universal church. That's not true, okay? Are we okay? It's like real quiet. I think you understand, don't you? Just because it says church doesn't mean, don't automatically assume that it means the church universal no, most of the time is talking about local, specific, time and place, city, region, a particular church. So, what is church membership then? Well, let's, let me serve it up this way. The follower of Jesus entering into covenant commitment, like a relationship, a covenant commitment with and full participation in a specific local church. You are giving tangible, visible expression to your membership in the universal body of Christ. Yes, you are part of the universal, invisible church. But you give tangible expression. You know it and you experience it by being in a covenant commitment and relationship with your local church the tangible, visible expression of the local church. Positionally, yes, you're members of the body universal and visible. Experientially, you are to be members of the body of Christ local and visible. Does this make sense? It's just like, for example, positionally, you are righteous before a holy God, correct? In your experience, not so much. But you work towards that, you see. Yes, in your position, you are a part of the body of Christ, universal and visible. In your experience, you are a member of a local church. That's what the scripture would teach and expect. In the church of Jesus Christ, 
Maturity is not independence. It's interdependence. You know, you grow up, you're dependent upon your parents, and then you go through those wonderful years in the teen and young adults where suddenly you're flexing your own wings and you suddenly, what, you want, in, you want independence from your parents and others. And there's a certain degree of maturity with that, but our culture would say that, that that's not the height of maturity. The height of maturity is then coming to a place of understanding your interdependence. You're not codependent. You're interdependent with one another. I need you. You need me. But I'm my own person and responsible before God. But I'm also responsible to you and you to me. And together, we serve. The whole teaching of the body uh, about how to use your spiritual gifts is how we need one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 also, again, just last time I'm going to talk about this idea of an individual person being, you know, you know, that that's just good enough. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 and uh, 18 to 20. For the body does not consist of one member. Please understand that. But of many. God arranged the members of the body, each one uh, of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21 and 27, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Okay. I can see it in your eyes. I got it. I get it, Jerry. Enough. But it, there's, it's incredible how many people think that I don't need the church. It's me and Jesus. And it is incongruent with the teaching of the New Testament. Now, what are our membership benefits and privileges? Um, I hesitate to go here because, listen, membership in the church, we, we, we bring in, you know, our sort of American Express perspective, right? Membership has its privileges. <laughs> and sometimes that's the way we feel, right? What's well, in it for me? Well, there are things for you, so let's talk about them. Let's just be real. Now, we don't do these perfectly, but this is what members could expect, and this is what should be our experience. First thing, love, acceptance, and belonging. You should, that should, being a part of a member of a church, this should happen. And when it doesn't, we both bear responsibility for that. We do. You should expect good Bible teaching and discipleship. It would help you grow in your faith. There'd be practices that you can learn and relationships that you can engage in and experiences that you can have that are going to help to grow you as a disciple of Jesus. You should have an expectation of that as a member. 
to receive prayer and have good worship and outlet vehicles so that you can express your worship before God and the celebration of the sacraments. You should expect that as a member. How about the experience of all the one another's in the New Testament? Do you know how many of them there are? There's so many. I just tried to jot down a few. I didn't get out the books on this one, but pray for one another. Grow together, serve one another, worship together, give together, weep together, rejoice together, admonish one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. I mean, on and on. This should be sort of what is a benefit of being a member of a local church, don't you think? You should uh, expect to be equipped for ministry in the church and mission in the world. Uh, church should help you discover your God-given shape and what your spiritual gifts are, where you should lean in to, uh, you know, fulfill your part in growing, strengthening the church. And, you know, how to bless other people. You've been made to bless those that don't know God. To, you know, do you remember what bless stands for? Begin with prayer. Listen intently. Eat together. Serve a need. And share the story of Christ and your testimony. You know, we, we should be equipped to help people come to know Jesus Christ and to be a witness for him. You should, uh, well, being a member opens doors to leadership for you. If you don't take out membership in a church, you are limited in what you'll be able to do in a church. If you become a member, it suddenly opens up certain leadership capacities for you in all different kinds of ways. You should receive the gift of protective accountability as a member. The people would give a rip about how you're doing spiritually. I'm, I need that. I remember one time uh, uh, my elders in my previous church pulled me aside. Uh, some of you, I know I shared this uh, about three or four years ago. I know that there was a really difficult situation in that previous church where there was a false prophetess and she was a you know, she had heard from God that I was abusing my wife and my children and things like that. And so a long process happened and Leah was sitting there trying to talk to her and just said that she was naive, started spreading this around. So the elders had to get involved. It was a number of months afterwards. Uh, I didn't realize how deeply that affected me. And a couple of my elders pulled me aside after a Sunday, said, well, can we talk to you? So he said, yeah, we went up to my office, about three of them actually. I said, Jerry, we're just sensing you got some real anger in your heart. And it's, it's oozing out in your preaching. Now, I was thankful for the protective accountability of people who would care enough about me to take me aside and challenge some things that they saw that weren't congruent with how I should be, you know. We've had the joy and the privilege of walking with people and doing that as well. It's wonderful to have, as a member, to have people looking out for you, isn't it? You know, too often, if we're not honest enough, our hearts are prone to wander. Like the hymn writer said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love, prone to step and cave to temptation and to get involved in all kinds of stuff. And thank God for brothers and sisters, fellow members of the church who will come alongside and will speak into your life. Sometimes I'll do it over a coffee table and I'll say to someone, hey, can I have permission to speak into something I'm observing? And if they say yes, I said, it might sting a bit initially. And, and we do that, why? Because we need each other to keep us on the straight and narrow. Protective accountability. Here's the last one. It ensures you your voice and your vote. I think it's the least of the reasons, but it's the one. To ensure you have a voice and a vote in those things that need to be voted upon. And one of the things is an annual meeting, you, you actually hold the elders accountable for how they led on your behalf throughout the year. You ratify budgets and those kinds of things. So, friends, these are some of the things that, as a member, there's some benefits and privilege that you should think through and hopefully receive. And if not, we should be talking about that. Does that make sense to you? Yes. I think so. Uh, now, before I get to our responsibilities, I've got to frame it first, and that is this. The integrity of membership cannot be divorced from the cost of discipleship. I want to repeat this. The integrity of membership cannot be divorced from the cost of discipleship. Jesus is calling disciples who serve as participating members of a body in a particular region. He's calling them. And the call of Jesus was to die to self, take up our cross, and follow. To surrender to him as king and lord. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These ought to be baseline things. So we're going to look at some of them, but I'm telling you this, history tells us and has shown that when churches lower their standards of membership to just try to get people easy into it, the church over time becomes weak. It just does. You cannot divorce it from the high call and claim and cost of discipleship. Why would we require baptism for membership? Because it's baseline to become a follower of Jesus. Repent and be baptized. Why would we say you don't have to? So that's just one example, you see. Okay, let's get to responsibilities. This is the fun stuff. If you're not sweating yet. No, 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 no. Our membership responsibilities. First is belief, repentance, and baptism. You can't become a member of a local New Testament church if you don't, haven't surrendered to Jesus, trusted him with your life, trusted in who he is and received his presence into him, committed your life to follow him. See, this church is not interested in padding a, a, a role of membership. In fact, here's an indicator. When your membership role is way bigger than your actual attendance, it's an unhealthy church. It should be so alive that there's always people who are coming and investigating and new people. Your membership should always be catching up to what God's doing. If it's low 
standards just to get people on a roll. I am not interested in that, and neither should you even want to be a part of a church like that. You want to have people that believe in Christ, have repented or baptized. They are on the road. They have the life of Christ in them. They're committed to that. Secondly, it's your responsibility to train to intentionally follow Christ. You just don't grow by osmosis. You train. Arranging your life around certain practices that are going to help you grow in faith, around certain relationships that are going to help you to love in community, and around certain missional experiences that are going to help get you in the game of serving. And you train. It takes an arrangement of your life. How many of you have ever taken a course? Many courses. Did you have to arrange your life at all? You did. You had to say no to certain things so you could put time and effort into those things. People go to gym. They want to get fit. They have to arrange their life around certain things. Getting exercise. Eating right. You don't do it by osmosis. You arrange your life around that, and that's what training, it takes energy, it takes rearrangement, and aligning your life with certain things, relationships, practices, and experiences that are going to help you to grow. And friends, we need you to be growing in your faith, growing deeper in love and how to love people, growing in your serving. Here's a third, practice the one another's in scripture. Hey, here's the thing. It was a benefit, but also as a member, you need to be practicing the one another's, to love one another, pray for one another. You see, it all doesn't rest on a pastor or two or three. It's one another. Ephesians 4 says, when the body is all doing it, everyone's doing their part, the body builds itself up in love. And that's what God expects from us who are members to practice these one another's. Being fervent in prayer for the Spirit's work. Oh, we need you. Here's a responsibility is to pray. You need to pray for the ministry of the church. You need to pray for all the teaching that goes on in this church from behind here to in the youth and in the kids' wing to small groups around the table. You got to be praying for the Holy Spirit to anoint the teaching. As A.W. Tozer said, Powerless, ineffective preaching is God's curse on prayerless pews. You want better preaching from up here? I got to do my part, but friends, I need you to pray for this. That God's Holy Spirit would anoint preparation, giving creativity, unleashing the word, opening the word to him, being able to put it together in a way that's understandable and then communicating it with power that the Holy Spirit would be speaking. And that has to happen in every teaching capacity. We need to be praying that God would raise up prayers in this church. We want to pray that the Holy Spirit renew and revive our, our church. Like, we need the Spirit's power to be at work, and we need people to pray for that fervently. Here's faithful service with your spiritual gifts. It's a responsibility of a member that you serve somewhere. If you are not serving somehow, somewhere, 
It's expected the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift to serve. Jesus said what? I have not come to be served. No, I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And that's what we are to be like, friends. I tell my staff all the time, I can't stand the word volunteer in the church. That's the word in the community. In the church, you'll never find volunteer. What words do you find in the scripture? Servant, serve, give of yourself. You never will find the word volunteer in the church, in the Bible. He's called us to serve. And so, friends, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Are you serving somewhere, somehow? Here's one. This is fun. I love this. Any guesses? Oh, yeah, it's the one you've all been dreading. Joyful giving of tithes and offerings. Woo! Do I hear an amen? Come on now. I love I love teaching on this. In fact, I got invited to speak at an Iranian church on Friday night to teach on stewardship and giving. I love to do it. Why? Because I don't know of hardly a thing in life that actually enables me to experience the tangible work of God in my life. When I can learn to trust God in the concrete, everyday ways of our finances, then I can trust him for things I can't see. It's a training ground. And he promises to meet my needs, and I see him come through. I've seen it my whole life since I was 14, and I gave my first tithe when I cut up my first lawn. And I've never seen God leave us high and dry. Oh, there have been times, I remember when I started ministry up in Ottawa, I remember some of you heard this story years and years ago. We came to time and we had hardly any food in the house. There was cans of stuff in there and it was the Sunday when we, we needed and we wanted to and Leah and I said, we're not going to miss being faithful to God. And we gave and we committed. We would just eat every can or anything we found in the house until next paycheck. And Sunday night, we get a knock on our door, 6C Spring Grove Lane, this little, tiny little garden home that we were renting. And we open the door, and there's Dave and Maureen Todd and their three kids holding bags and bags of groceries. We never told a soul. And God met our need. That was a watershed moment in our marriage. And if you learn to do it with little, you'll do it with much. If you don't, please never say, when I, when I start making 100 Gs or if I win the lottery, I'll give it. You won't. You won't. If you're faithful with little, God will make you faithful with much. I just love seeing him come through. And members of the church, if you're a member of our church, are you giving fully, joyfully, faithfully percentage giving to your church and then offerings and stuff on top as much as you want or not? That's up to you. Here, 
respect and support of the leaders. Now, this is not blind loyalty. You hear me? It's not. We removed it from some documents in our church about 12 or 15 years ago. There should never, your loyalty should never be to a pastor, and elders should never be to a pastor. Your loyalty should never, it should be to, the, to Jesus Christ and the health of your church. That is where your deepest loyalty lies. Support your pastor and your elders, your leaders. Yes, you should. Treat them with respect. It doesn't mean you can't challenge them or ask them a question, or if you see things in their life. Address it. Please do. But respect and support them. You should. And lastly, we want our, our members, your responsibility is to bring alignment with the mission, vision, and values of the church. You want to be a member because you believe in this. You love what the mission is of guiding people to know and intentionally follow Jesus. You just want to become a part of where we're headed in the church and you, you live out our values that's what we want to see as membership. I'm not interested in your membership to just sit on a roll somewhere and say you're a member. No, be a part of the family of God, engaged and active, a participating member of the local church. How will we display the beauty and the bride of Christ if we just consume its services? Choose only our preferences or engage only when it's convenient. Or as one author said, how will we display the glory of the one who sacrificed his life for the church if we sacrifice nothing for the church? Jesus didn't die just for me or just for you. He shed his life's blood for the church, that the church would become his real body in this world, continuing his ministry, being a witness not just to the people, but to the, all of the heavenly realm to bring glory and honor to him. So therefore, friends, members, let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as we see the, the day drawing near. Friends, you were made for community. Membership in the local church as an expression of your membership in the invisible body of Christ. To show the world the wonder of Christ. He has given you his love, his life, his grace, his care, his word, his spirit, his gifts, his resources, so that you may become a participating member and become who he dreams you to become and to do what he has planned for you to do through his church. And God's glory is displayed most clearly, more widely, not through your own individual commitment to Christ, it is seen most brightly, clearly, consistently, widely through the sacrificial commitment of all of the members of a local church together as we accomplish his work. So friends, we're family. And I think you should all become members of the church.
<laughs> Seriously. But in a way that we talked about this morning. Okay? Please don't do it just for some guilt thing. You do it because you believe what the scripture says and you want to get behind the ministry of the church and you want to experience all the things and the benefits of it and you carry out your responsibilities. That's the strength of a church is not in someone who can speak well or in great music. The strength of a church is its members. I am not naive to that. I also realize that a church lets people lead it. So friends, the strength of Summit community is our community. The members who make up this specific, tangible, visible, local church as we grow together and carry out all that God has for us. Because we're family. Let me pray with us.